Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of Pundit Three on a Pint. We are four blokes having an above-average football conversation. Joining me on the podcast today is Vaishnav, Akshat, and Po. Firstly, uh, it's good to be back. I missed an episode in between. Uh, I don't know how these boys have done. When it comes out, I'm going to um, have a listen and rate them for sure. I'm sure it's a train wreck. Uh, but whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> bro, can you introduce us with episode number first, please? Oh right, uh, Vaishnav had asked me to do something. Uh, can you do your job? Uh, <laughs> like I, 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 I don't know, bro. So that would be nice. Uh, this is episode number seventy. Uh, we are also two years into this podcast, so two years of doing this for our listeners and for ourselves because it's hell of a lot of fun. Uh, two years of this amazing WhatsApp group chat, yeah, and Jalan. Inside jokes. But um, in today's episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Todd Boyle, the new Chelsea owner, um, this the sacking of Thomas Tuchel, and um, what it means for the club, and you know the kind of changes that we've seen already so quickly from. Uh, a club that has just won the Champions League and a coach that has just won the Champions League, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. But there's a bit of a surprise for this one. We're going to start off today with story time with Akshat. Akshat, do you want to go for your story time first up? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm leaving soon. I'm not going to be here for the whole episode, so this is Boo. like a. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the dedication, guys. I'm, 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 I'm going to make it even if I'm busy. Akshat has things to do on a Saturday night. Yes, I do. Okay, so do you guys remember the name John Arnarisa? Fuck yeah. Mm. The left yeah. back from yeah, Liverpool, yeah. no? That guy who used to belt the ball. Oh, for yeah, yeah, that's right, Omar. He, he used to absolutely belt the ball and like score from outside the box at fucking supersonic speed, okay? Um, so he, this is a story from his Liverpool days, and it's pre-season. So the and this is still a little bit old school. So the boys are allowed to go for like a bit of a booze night around town, okay? And this is when Rafa Benitez is the manager of Liverpool. So John Arnarisa is out with the entire team, and they've gone to a karaoke bar, and yeah. the Liverpool legend and Premier League legend Craig Bellamy. Nice. Has had, <laughs> yeah, has had one or two like extra drinks. Let's just say, okay, he's drunk. So he does the karaoke, and John Arnarisa is like a typical like stoic who doesn't talk much kind of a guy. And Craig Bellamy started making fun of John Arnarisa, saying that <laughs> Risa is gonna sing. Risa is gonna sing. Okay. Now Risa is not having any of it. Okay. He went over to him said and said, "I'm not singing." Shut the fuck up, or I'm gonna, or else I'm gonna smash you. I'm gonna fucking kill you, you ginger cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nothing happens after that. They they all go out, and um, you know, like the, the night progresses. Uh, John Arnarisa decides he's gonna go back a bit early, but he leaves his hotel room door unlocked because he's roommates with Daniel Agar, and he expects him to come back later in the night. So sometime in the middle of the night, the door opens, and John Arnarisa thinks that oh, okay, it's probably Daniel Agar who's come back, but it's Craig Bellamy. <laughs> dun dun dun! With a golf club in his hands. Holy fuck! With a what in his hands? Sorry. A golf club. <laughs> Bellamy raised the club over his head and swung as hard as he could. He tried to hit my shins, which would have ended my career, but I managed Fuck. to pull the leg away. So then he gets up, he takes a sheet, like the sheet he was sleeping in, and tries to cover Bellamy. Okay, <laughs> and they're struggling for a while. They're struggling for a while. Okay, Craig Bellamy, he's shouting all kinds of things like, "Oh, you don't disrespect me in front of the lads," and and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> And he said, "I don't care if I go to jail. My kids have enough money for school and everything. I don't care. I'll fucking do you, okay?" And after some time, they calm down because this guy tells a drunk uh, Bellamy that, "Okay, listen, um, tomorrow let's do it, nine a.m. <laughs> um, but like no weapons, just like for a fist fight." And Craig Bellamy, like they, they, he was like, "Okay, fine, let's do it." The next day, 
obviously they're in the hotel they have they're having breakfast Craig Bellamy doesn't even look at this guy's direction they both have breakfast at uh, separate tables Rafa Benitez has a word with both of them okay the that day there's a friendly game against Barcelona uh-huh Craig Bellamy scores a belter of a goal he celebrates with the golf clubs club, club swing <laughs> and later that game Jordana Risa scores and Bellamy is the one who gave him the assist and Liverpool win that game 2-1 nice yeah <laughs> but that's a straight like band right i mean if you go to hit someone with a fucking golf club imagine if he struck yeah if he struck i mean that's like could literally snap your shin in two like you're out for a good maybe the whole season with that yeah maybe gareth bale will have a better idea on what happens I love these insider player stories. You think they're normal human beings until you find out that they are absolutely not <laughs> like they are far from it. <laughs> okay, but moving ahead and uh, into our episode for the day which is um Chelsea, Todd Boehly, uh Thomas Tuchel, there's a lot to talk about. Uh I'm just going to start off with um giving our listeners some insight on what happened and how um Chelsea decided to sack Thomas Tuchel. Now, of course, Tuchel won the Champions League um, when Abramovich was still the owner. Uh, geopolitical tensions uh, forced Abramovich out of the Premier League, and Chelsea got new owners in. And this is where it started getting strange for us um, as football fans, right? As football pundits, yes, you're a new owner. Yes, you want to. Um, leave a sort of impression on the club you want to build a community around the club or around your guidelines um Todd Boehly already owns a major sporting team uh, which is the Chicago Cubs um so yes he does want to have his influence LA Dodgers, LA Dodgers. LA Dodgers sorry sorry he does want to have his influence on the club but then we see that the top executives of Chelsea are being um either fired or they're leaving Petr Cech was a great example who was very close to Tuchel uh, Maria Granitskova as well who was extremely ruthless at transfers and she did a lot for Chelsea in terms of bringing the right players in at the right time but now we have Todd Boehly who is the owner who is the sporting director who is the CEO of the club running the show um and then it took about 2 months for the relationships to get very strained with Tuchel where they decided they're just going to have to fire him and um they had made this decision even before the champions league loss to um, i think it was zagreb right that they lost mm. to 1-0 yeah. yeah um the decision was made before that because they felt that tukel is not the right fit um in f- for what the kind of project that they want to do um tukel himself did not enjoy going to these sort of recruitment meetings and uh, um discussions with the owner he wanted to focus more on the coaching aspect and there are reports that he's he he was sending out his assistant manager to meet um Todd Boehly for meetings that he had to be pre- present in so there was a lot going on behind the scenes i was personally shocked with tukel uh, being sacked at uh, such at at this kind of stage like for me it's either you remove him before the transfer window or then you keep him and allow his players to to get a good run like obamaang obamaang and tukel were uh back together for a grand total of 59 minutes and that's it um vaishnav what do you think were you shocked when when chelsea decided to sack tukel at that time no i don't think anyone was like i mean shocked that moment that this sacked him sort of but i think we saw the sack coming like it was more of like when they would do it but the fact that there aren't many like <clears throat> big name managers who are on the market now i felt like maybe not as much because maybe if there's a high profile manager without a job then yeah for sure 
But I guess Tuchel was the last high-profile manager without a job before he got the Chelsea gig. But Vaishnav, when you say that you saw the sack coming, are you talking solely in terms of um, the way Chelsea were playing their football? Or was it all of this? I just thought new ownership, so they'll want someone new in. That's typical, but... Yeah, that, that happens. Like, in terms of just, yeah, you were the other guy's man and now I want. And I don't think people like Todd Bowley, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think they understand the dynamics of, like, what it means to win a Champions League. So, like, <clears throat> obviously, I wouldn't have sacked him. Because I feel like the one thing Chelsea have always been good at under Tuchel is defensive performances. And I felt like that fell a lot. And... That happens. It's hard to be good defensively throughout. As like it's hard to be good offensively. So like you can't sack him for his performances like six game weeks into a season. I think that's... Exactly. Yeah. But from January, they've been sort of not as good. They've definitely been on a downward trajectory. But to me, I thought he was the fourth or fifth best manager in the world. So like as a club like Chelsea and wanting that brand value, I thought that was like a good fit. But maybe I guess they want the younger, sexier, the like the better product in the sense of the football will be different because I think Graham Potter's teams play some insane football and with better players, it's probably going to be insane. Because I think we can all agree he was like the biggest prospect in England, I think. For sure, fair to say. for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, hot, the hottest prospect in, in England. Mm. Maybe him and Eddie Howe, but then Eddie Howe took a... It's not a it's not a lower profile job. Newcastle yeah, is yeah. still a very good project, but you know they were under the same bracket. Like when both of them yeah. were available, they would be. Um, Akshat, you'd seen this coming for a while, right? And you were saying it as well. I mean, at least you were disgusted with Chelsea's performances. I was like, I think we did that episode what three games into the season where I said like Chelsea seem like they're a club in turmoil and um. To answer your original question, actually, which you asked Vaishnav, um, whether it was about, it couldn't be about the performances, right? And I also agree that probably uh, Bowley had in the back of his mind for quite some time, maybe even before the season started to uh, sack Tuchel. But on maybe he didn't find the excuse to do it because you, as an owner, you don't want to be making such an unpopular decision so early on in the season because Tuchel was loved by Chelsea fans. But the fact that they started off so poorly in the season, and I know they're pretty high up in the table, but their performances really haven't been that convincing, which is why, as you said, Amar, I kind of saw it coming. For me, the problem is that there's no backroom team, right? So Tuchel, as you said, was looking forward to coaching the team during preseason. He didn't want to shift his attention to the transfer market but that was fine under the previous model right where Tuchel was working under Marina Granitskova and uh, Petr Cech and all these people they had but basically where he just had to coach and not involve himself exactly when when Todd came in all these guys left and then it's literally just like you know Bowley and Tuchel the the big names there's no one else really there so um, I, I think like you said, the relationship probably got strained during those meetings, and yeah, like you, it's like a cherry on a top, right? If you if you already don't like the guy, and then he doesn't play good football, then you're like, you know what, you're done, and that's probably what happened uh, in this season. Yeah, Bo, what about you? Um, did you see? Uh, was it a shock for you that Tuchel was sacked at that point of time in the season? It's Chelsea, but. They do this kind of weird shit all the time. Yeah. They've always done it. Yeah. They don't have any particular plan to follow. It's just, as I said last week, throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. That's exactly what Chelsea do every single day. <laughs> so it's not a surprise in, like, when you look at it in that sense. no. But when you consider factors such as like what uh, Vaishnav said about Tuchel being this really, really good manager who's like, well... Adored by the fans as well, man. Like, even the fans respect him a lot. None of the... Like, whatever I've seen uh, on Twitter with Chelsea fans, none of them are happy with this signing and, uh, like, the departure, I would say. Like, because they're categorizing this as two separate events. Because, I mean, people have different opinions in terms of both the, the, the sacking as well as the appointment. No, like, we'll come to the appointment later on. But... Yeah. First and foremost, the sacking, like... 
sacking wise i don't think anyone was happy with it and it came as a shock to everybody but apparently yeah. i mean i'm trying to go through this and like go through the chain of events and this was right after if i'm not wrong like him playing his 100th game for chelsea correct like against dinamo zagreb yeah and like that is correct oh yeah. shit just yeah. he just finished his 100th oh, game oh fuck and and i i was reading that too where he, they were talking about like the flight back was yeah. super quiet and nobody was saying anything because they somewhat knew to be sacked on your 100th game no like right after playing it it's just sad man i feel for tukil yeah. even though i've never really liked the person like the manager not the person because i badly i don't know the person <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like it's also the thing is like there have been reports of tukil having f- like falling out with his players quite a bit you know and this isn't just a chelsea this is yeah like, yeah especially the attacking yeah ones. he has a previous track record of this at dortmund also like people were, like lo- loads of reports there saying that he fell out with quite a few number of people at dortmund and that led to his eventual sacking there as well but uh, thing is uh, yeah it just probably depends on his philosophy and the way he wants to play and the people he wants to focus on but i guess that's the manager tukilis um so akshat before you uh, leave us for the day is there anything else that you want to add not just in terms of tukil but chelsea boyle and what their future could hold um can i talk a little bit about potter yeah sure so okay like i, I see both the merits and the demerits of that signing cuz um of, like we described him as the sexiest young manager in england right cuz I mean, not visually, but at least from. <laughs> the I was just gonna say, wait, wait till Beckham comes in. <laughs> yeah. Um. But um. So I I get that. Of course, there are a lot of things to be excited about. But it, it doesn't mean that just because you play good football at a small club that you're guaranteed to play good football at a large club. Um, and we've win. Seen, and win exactly because we've seen plenty of examples of it happening and of it working and not working. It's like a fifty-fifty thing. So. we can't take it for granted that he will be able to implement that kind of a style at chelsea and also like for as good as football as this guy has played they he as a manager has finished above 15th in the premier league just once and i was shocked reading that but i know no, i know he has to catch a rooper i won't delay him no i know i know it was at brighton i know he overachieved but i'm just saying like the adjustment in the standards and the expectations that you have when you move to a club like chelsea not all managers are about are able to make that jump right we've seen it with moyes for example he was just nowhere close to making that jump even though he did really well with everton he overachieved with everton too right recently we've seen it with uh, what's that guy's name nuno nuno yeah no exactly nuno with the spurs yeah. that's that's a great example so big club I mean, big personalities Yeah so I'm not saying he won't do it I think he's more likely to do it than not but I feel like a lot of people are taking it for granted that we're going to see the exact same you know Graham Potter at Brighton but like on a magnified scale and playing much better football but it it may or may not happen Yeah and you also have to consider the t- you have to consider the time given also right yeah, like I mean exactly. to, to yeah. get that style yeah. of play it takes it takes a bit of time takes a lot of coaching getting the right players in at the right positions does he have is he afforded that time at chelsea or not exactly. is what is more interesting to me is chelsea do yeah. not afford anybody like such months of time you no know? like they never have this really long long project plans at all like it's always these uh, two year turnouts or like a year turnout where they expect success and potter the way but yeah po this is a different chelsea you know like this is a different is owner it, completely yeah i mean does it look like it so far so th- now th- that's that's the question it doesn't look like right now but maybe he's done all of this just so that he can have someone for a long term project we'll have to wait and see how this potter thing plays out to understand what boyley wants to do as an owner does he want to give those 2 3 years that's true but the early signs are of course you know it's like spending big in a transfer market and sacking your manager soon it it's like a roman playbook right it's yeah like, that is roman stupid always did, but roman won trophies too so you know like who are we to say it works or it doesn't work yeah cool i'm off see you guys <laughs> <laughs> i mean we we don't know what to expect 
of this new Chelsea under Boli, but the initial signs do not look good, man. It seems like it's a deja vu moment of when Roman came into the club. I mean, the excessive spending, the the want the, the wanting to be in front of the limelight always and be the main man. He's not like a person who does not seem to strike me as a person who's like who's going to take a step back and let others take over the duties and handle it, but rather wants to have a hands-on approach at the club. So it seems awfully similar to what Roman did, but at least Roman went on to put like dedicated personnel in in different areas of the club that who he trusted a lot and completely trusted in terms of having Marina. No, I mean, I think Roman's. Um back of the house staff especially in terms of like the executive and leadership committee for Chelsea was very good like probably one of the best run football clubs okay not let's not say best run but the most efficiently run football clubs because they were turning over both players and managers so seamlessly so easily you know for for United we're talking about like Two, three year projects, putting money on the big manager, comes in, tanks, goes out, doesn't win anything. But for Chelsea, it's like, okay, one year, one year, one year, get a Premier League in, get a Champions League in, almost overhaul your entire squad. I think I remember only Aspilicueta staying in there for the longest time. All all Chelsea players always seem recent to me. Yeah, that's that. But then uh, I don't think it's fair on you. On United's part to be compared to Chelsea because it's a completely different situation altogether, right? We'll go down like that road in another episode probably. But the way Chelsea have been operating is ideally they don't completely stick and like trust to per, to specific managers' requirements. Like they don't go all out in terms of aligning themselves with the project, recruiting people completely in terms of what they require and. Moreover, it's like always been like big superstars that they keep signing who ideally would fit under any other manager's immediate, into any yeah, manager their particular philosophy as well. So I mean, it's much easier for Chelsea to transition. I feel, but I don't know why, man. Like, and that was that was one of the things that um, I think Boeli and Tuchel were not on the same page about. That is. Um, the signings of particular players where Boeli wanted, for example, Cristiano and he wanted to um, explore the possibility of Ronaldo coming in, but Tuchel um, said no, that he doesn't want him. Same with uh, Jules Conde. Um, and uh, those were the type of um, situations that gave um, that gave Boeli the... the the armor that he needed to fire Tuchel, you know, I think those those were the straws that made him come to this decision. And it's funny to me because they still ended up spending two hundred fifty million in the transfer window. They still got an Aubameyang on transfer deadline day, uh, but it just, I mean, it, it blew out of proportion very quickly. I think it was one week after the transfer window, right? Yeah, and if the two straws that broke the camel's back were not signing Ronaldo and not signing Kunde, those are the stupidest straws I've ever heard of in my life. Like no, but this was apparently a very serious issue yeah. that. Uh, well, you want yeah, to yeah, even I've heard that the Ronaldo Ronaldo thing, especially that Tuchel got pissed almost that he was being asked all this. Like I, I would always back a manager yeah. to know more about football than a guy who lives in a multi-billion-dollar mansion in LA. Not that. Tuchel doesn't live in a multi-million dollar mansion in London, but he's in London on the training pitch and he's what's called a football manager. He might know a little bit more about players than a guy named Todd. Like, <laughs> I just like to think so. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that something that's strange to, um, to, to both of you that a, a new owner has just come in, right? He's... Firstly, American, he's, he's been totally disconnected with the sport. He probably still calls it soccer. He but definitely he's does. Come in and he's ta- yeah. <laughs> he's come in and he's taken the the position of a sporting director, which is such an important role. In- dude, not just that. A man's been giving like his inputs in terms of tactics as well, dude. Like I heard he gave a four. That's what I gave. He gave like I heard he gave a four three three formation. I think that's a joke. Like having a two. Oh, that four yeah. three three formation is 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 not true, bro. That apparently didn't happen. 
you 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 guys you guys realize that you guys corrected it and said 433 but four, he said 443 four, yeah, sorry <laughs> yeah you 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 guys couldn't even say it wrong because you're like yeah bro 433 <laughs> what is 443 bro <laughs> who is going where i think that's a joke yeah. but i don't know if that's true but <laughs> I, i was going to like oh he actually said 443 i don't think he would have said 443 like he like but there have been multiple reports no, but saying that's the joke. Yeah, like no i don't think so i don't think it's a meme but like multiple reports have said that that dude has come out and said like let's play 443 bro like let's do it but yeah like jokes <laughs> always what one extra means? man in midfield yeah. <laughs> what if he means what if he means that the keeper should play center back bro what if he's the most progressive man in football that there is and we're misunderstanding him <laughs> who knows who knows you should come out and say it then but yeah but i was like going to go to the angle of like it makes sense that he would want ronaldo because ronaldo is the lebron james of soccer of football like i had to say soccer because this is the translation Like it makes sense that an American owner would come in and the first thing you would seek out is the guy with the biggest social media footprint, the guy with the biggest branding image, and who is possible to get. Like the next best guy is Messi, but Messi would have been a harder get given that he's at PSG right now. And Ronaldo wanting out, I feel like that was Todd Bowley's angle of, oh shit, dude, we can sign this fucking marquee player on a free, or no, no, he wouldn't have gone on a free, but whatever. We can sign and this marquee million. player. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But he wouldn't be on a free. And I think that the fact that he thought that oh shit, if I'm a GM of a basketball team or of a baseball team and if I tell someone there's a fucking Michael Jordan or Babe Ruth and to sign them and my coach doesn't do it, that means they're an idiot because that would mostly be the case in the US because of how brand driven sports are. But I feel like because football is such a different sport man i feel like you can't compare it to any other sport like literally and it's so different because so many variables exist not that variables don't exist in other sports <clears throat> but it's so much like deeper than saying ronaldo is the goat and therefore he will win us something you know what i'm saying like yeah. even in basketball <laughs> the lakers thought like lebron would win easy rings and that's not proven to be true so like it's it doesn't work in any sport almost it's like yeah they're called team sports for a reason almost maybe that's what fucking But matters why should this is this is my entire point like as a football club owner saying something like this you can accept it because you you're talking from the perspective of ownership but now when that owner becomes a sporting director and starts having a very active say in transfers this becomes sporting director thing i think is just like semantics because like an owner can do whatever he wants at the end of the day right an owner is an owner is an owner like for you to say he's being a sporting director role he's being a coach he's making a son play like those are just things that are like i don't yeah he's being very uh, active with the day to day runnings yeah but i mean is he being a sporting director is he not i don't think that even matters the thing is like dealing with an owner is one thing okay or dealing with a sporting director and disagreeing with a sporting director is one different thing altogether but when your owner is in fact like the interim sporting director like imagine having to go to him and say dude i don't like i don't trust your opinions i don't want to listen to what you have to say i disagree with what you're yeah. saying that must have been a hell to go through with like for two kid but apparently that hasn't phased him and he doesn't have the greatest history with that sort of stuff anyway like at psg yeah so. for a man who is considered uh, apparently tukul's emotional intelligence is very high as as a person and as a coach but we've seen him just sort of burning bridges wherever he goes we saw that whole episode with mbappe which eventually led him to getting sacked at psg as well yeah but mbappe is essentially the mafioso of paris <laughs> oh, right now 100% so like, apparently that was also one of the reasons why he was so apprehensive for having to like for yeah going after cristiano yeah i mean neymar and mbappe tukul did do some tukul did do some weird things at his like final stages of che- of being at chelsea which was um he used to hold two separate meetings with one with players who were going to play and who were part of his project and one with players who wanted to leave so pulisic ziek lukaku aspi christensen were all having separate team meetings from the people who were actually in the team which 
I have never heard about. Like, this is very strange. But I see again, like, bro. Like, I don't think it's fair to comment on that. Like, how do you know day-to-day runnings of football clubs? That could be okay, standard true. practice. Like, you never know. Like, true. The thing is, Tuchel hasn't been like the tooth fairy throughout his tenure here at Chelsea. You know, apparently, like the way he initially dealt with all the players and the staff, that is completely drastically like completely changed now. Initially, he was more hands-on in terms of having one-on-one meetings. Apparently, that's what I'm reading here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was alien. He alienated a lot of players. He alienated a lot of players. He froze out a lot of players, and they didn't even know like what they're supposed to do. You know, it was it had reached that sort of situation. Like they, he's he wasn't providing any inputs in terms of how they can get back into his team, get like do what is the prerequisite for them to like be in the starting eleven and all these kind of. Factors that, like, ideally players would have felt that they're being left out and not being dealt with properly, you know. So, I think that also adds to the fact that this sacking was coming, like, down the line. It was coming. It was coming, yeah. But it's super unfair, and given what he dealt with after and during the Abramovich saga and, like... A hundred percent, bro. And he he dealt with it very nicely, too. Like, he there was no... He didn't air dirty laundry in the public, you know, about anything. Yeah, and I'm sure that's like such a mind fuck for a coach to be asked questions on like government policy. Like he's just like, bro, I tell them to score goal. Like I don't fucking know, <laughs> man. What the fuck do you want from me? And I feel like that was his expression in most press conferences where journalists would ask him. He'd be like, yeah, I guess I'm the manager, so I'm close to it, but. This is up well above my pay grade. I have absolutely no clue. And to have to have gone through all that shit after winning them a Champions League on the back of Frank fucking Lampard coaching them. Like, I think he's been chewed up and spit out. And like, this is another Barca situation where they just don't give a fuck and they just want to win. And that's all that matters. And I do not appreciate that because yeah, I like to think that that doesn't work. And I don't think it will work. So that's football for you. Um, but let's let's move a little ahead and come to our main focus of discussion, right? Like why we wanted to do this particular episode was what Boeli said in a conference in New York about the sport, and it was basically a networking um, uh, networking conference uh, where he said a lot about how he envisions of European football to be in the future and what plans he has personally. And one thing that he did bring up, which became very famous across all social media platforms and went viral, was um, that he wants to introduce the All-Star game, right? Um, uh, like how MLB have it, to fund the pyramid. All American um, sports. They all don't American have a pyramid. Don't, don't say that. They don't have a pyramid. There's no such thing as a pyramid in the US. No, no, no. To fund the sporting pyramid of... of European football. Okay, Lord. Like, that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> the, those are his exact words. Firstly, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, he proposed like a North versus South all-star team. And uh, then Jurgen Klopp was asked in a press conference about it. And Klopp just laughed it off. He's like, find me the dates and we'll do it. <laughs> that sort of a thing. What do you guys have to say about that? Personally, I don't think that's... The idea is as bad as it has been made out to be. I mean, I think what has contributed to the general consensus is like the way Boli has been going about before this press conference in terms of like after his appointment at Chelsea. The past two, three months, the way he's been in the limelight of the media with controversial statements and to top it all off right after sacking Tuchel. I mean, ideally, I hope there is someone at Chelsea in terms of what is the job role like? The press relations and like people, the, PR, yeah, the media duties. PR. Yeah, Pe- somebody has come to him yeah. and asked them to like shut the fuck up for a couple of days, man. Like stop being in the limelight. Go back, <laughs> take a step back. And this dude comes out and says like, let's do an all star game, man. Let like there's a two hundred million revenue to be earned over here. Let's do this. But, po, I mean like you, you, how naive do you have to be as a football club owner at at the top? big six club in England uh, to come out and say something like that. Like, you know it is not possible. I mean... Or he doesn't know it, which is even worse. The thing is, like, I don't... Like, I don't know from what point of view this guy has come up with. Like, come out with this statement. Money. But... 
Yeah, I think that answers it. But but I don't think it's such a bad yeah. idea. Like from my perspective, I'd like to see this like Bro, casual but game. If 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 give, but you realize if given. So like for me, it's funny because I like it. I like the fact that he said it because it shows me how out of depth he is. How exactly. out of touch. No, not because it's not possible. It's like. He has missed the forest for the trees, okay? Because in the US, if you're an NBA, NFL, or MLB GM, you're one of 20 dudes who essentially own the league. There is... That's it. If you can get 19 other people to agree with you, you guys can do whatever you want. Obviously, except exploiting players based on their CBAs. But, like, that's not... (laughs) You're one of fucking... 500 professional football clubs in the UK, bro. You're like, yeah, you're the probably the top 1% of earners there. But for you to think single-handedly you'll come in and change the fabric of the top echelons of European sport as we know it, to me, is almost condescending in the way that it's done. Is to say like, oh, you guys didn't think of this? <laughs> oh, see what I can do. And I think it's hilarious because... I also think it's very much a symptom of the way American sport is played because I don't think it's a hot take to say that in any of the major sports, the regular seasons are just played for the playoffs. So there is no stake or at least no comparative stake until the actual playoffs start or the World Series start or the knockout rounds or whatever the phase is for the Super Bowl to happen. So like... That makes sense, at least in the NBA, for example, where regular season basketball is very different from playoff basketball. And you can have an all-star weekend in the middle of that because genuinely, I would say 70 to 80% of basketball fans or at least 50% of basketball fans, definitely 100% of casuals, don't give a fuck about the regular season. So they'll watch an all-star game in the middle because fuck no, yeah. Also, but when it comes to football, Todd... Yeah, go on. No, also, about, like, what, this is my perception. Like, you All the... American sports fans, like, you might find more number of casuals over there who might not tune in to every single game, but would rather tune into an all-star game specifically seeking it out. Because, dude, that's the all-stars game. Like, everyone, even, a, like, everyone who doesn't watch the sports would also tune into it. But here, on yes, this sir. side of the continent, like, on the of the world, people are, like, hardcore fucking fans, man. Like, football <laughs> is part of their... Blood. You yeah, but you can't take you can't take it away and say oh people aren't as passionate no, it's not, in the US. I'm that's not, not, I'm not saying and that. that's not the point. Yeah, I know exactly. But the, the the difference in the product is what I feel that this guy he's holding an orange and he thinks it's a cantaloupe, which is I think. I mean, yeah, man, he's a super smart guy. He's a great businessman. He's doing whatever. But I I feel like this is just such opposing forces to even. Yeah, it's probably possible. It's definitely profitable. It's 100% feasible. These are things that you can do. But this is like the fucking, what's his name, bro, uh, from Jurassic Park. Uh, Goldblum, that this is like his dialogue. You guys asked if you could, you didn't ask if you should. And like, <laughs> this is to be reeks of that. Because like, there are like five, <laughs> there are 500 things I could think of that would improve football. <laughs> this isn't making the list. <laughs> like for me, for me, it's just the naivety, bro. Like the the very fact that he could come out and say something like this shows that he is very disconnected from the sport. And I I would give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a new owner. But then just shut the fuck up and understand what you're getting into first before coming out and saying something like this. And also we do, there is an all-star weekend, except it's year round and it's called the Champions League. Like, brother, like, no, but we have, that's not the same thing, is it? No, it is literally the same thing. And I'll tell you why it's the same thing. Because when you look at American sports and how bloated rosters are, you're not going to have the best playing the best every day. Like, that's not going to happen. But the Champions League's product description is the best play the best, but you have the best teams from the best countries. Understood. He meant the best yes. play with the best, not against. Correct. No, but obviously you're playing against each other, no, bro. So I think that statement is sounds a little. But if you look at this in a completely bubbled environment, wise, no, I'd say this is going to be this. If it ever comes to realization, it would be freaking fun to watch. I would love to see. I it. don't think it's. I would like. This is my opinion. I, I don't would want to see that game. Like 
irrespective, like you disregard all these other factors that come into it. But just that game, I would like. I think I, I would agree. Like to watch it, it would obviously be fun to watch, but I think we're expecting it to be something insane because all-star basketball games are not the greatest games no, to it's watch. Just a spectacle. Like, not even close. Even as a spectacle, like you expect athletic ability to be that much higher, and yeah, it can be, but. You realize that players think of this as like the weekend off, right? Like this for them that game is not crunch time. For them that game is yeah, we're on the WhatsApp group anyway. Let's go kick about with some boys. That's what it that is. It gives me very like testimony feels, bro. Like you see testimony matches, like how disconnected exactly. the players are from have one you, another. Have you seen that Gascoigne goal that he scored recently in one of his testimonies where everybody jumped over the ball because it's just a fun thing to do to let him score? Like yeah, that's that's the fun vibes <laughs> I'm here for. But we are a couple years away from this guy. Like I watch sport, like I watch the foot the football on streams from the US, right? They already advertise uh, and sponsor things like fucking I don't know free kicks, or whatever. Like how in the IPL you have Yes Bank maximum sixes. It's very similar, and like oh, we're I'm not. We're not far from that in the Premier League, I don't think anyway, organically. But with yeah. people like this coming in and saying, oh, ho, ho, now that I'm here, guys, rest easy, we can make some money. But this is the most profitable sporting product in the world. Who is this kid, da? Like, like, like yeah, Super Bowl is cool, playoff basketball is cool. Brother, Champions League is where the money is at, like... <laughs> FIFA World Cup is where the money is at. Like, you don't make sporting product like this. And that's the problem when you have such a close environment of sport. Like, because they don't know what competition actually is. Yeah. But he did say some other things as well. One thing that really stood out for me was, um, this has not been spoken about much, but he said that there should be a separate tournament for the relegation teams, like for the bottom four or bottom five teams. Once that's decided in the Premier League table, they should have like a knockout tournament for to decide who stays and who goes. Which, um, again, that will extend the season by quite a lot. And it would all make those 38 games almost null. For me personally, the Champions League um, race of top four and the relegation battle of the, the bottom three... Yeah, the, the bottom three relegation battle can get fucking intense like we saw last season. So, yep. again, that that just, for me, that just shows you how disconnected you are with the sport. Because for some reason, I don't know why American owners cannot accept the fact that there is a relegation. Yeah. That you are going to lose revenue, that parachute payments are going to kick in. They are not used to the fact that you actually have to be good at something to be successful at it. The mere... Participation. The idea... Yeah, and, and these are the same guys who will shit on millennials for pa- getting participation trophies. These are the same guys who don't want relegation. So, food for thought. Screw yeah. this, but... He did say some other things as well where uh, uh, he he approached one concept which I think would happen to Chelsea if he remains the owner for a long time, which was uh, a multi-team model, like how we see with um, Red Bull and with City. But he just said it in a very different way from what... City or Red Bull are doing right now? I think by multi-club model, he means I'll go buy two clubs, bro. Like, I don't think he's thinking much deeper than that. Like, So, what, what he said in... in uh, Now, obviously, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. What he said was that um, Chelsea produce a lot of youth uh, talent. And oh, yeah, yeah. these teens do not get to play at the highest level. So, they will go to Portugal or Belgium. He specifically named these two countries and other European countries on loan so that they can be ready to come back and enter the Chelsea pitch. And also it is a way that um, South Americans can come in and play in Portugal. Because Vaishnav, you'd know this better that there is some sort of point system and immigration law that allow South American players to go to Portugal and play much. It's much easier for them to go and play in Portugal and Europe. Yeah, Portugal, Belgium, if you're not a top league. It's basically like the way to apply for visa, no, for them. Like you have to have a point system and then that depends on which league you played, the success. That's for you and me. That's for, that's for everybody, bro. Like, yeah. If you're seeking to have a job seeking, like job visa over there, you got to go through this. But screw this shit, man. I saw this uh, clip on Twitter. Apparently it's called Goalkeeper Showdown. 
I think it was done in the MLS. I think we need to introduce. Oh, Brady. I saw that. I, I think we I need to introduce that, that yeah. instead of this. But like having like two keepers <laughs> facing each other, one throwing the ball and trying to score a goal while the other saves it. Uh, no, it's not throwing. You can kick also, I think. But no, they only threw it. They only th- at least in that clip. Yeah, they fling the ball. Yeah, they fling the ball. Bro, Edison is gonna kill in that. But um. Coming back to that that multi club multi club sporting model, right? One thing that was really funny, like really really funny, was when he said that Chelsea produce a lot of youth talent. Yeah, he said players say. like Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro, they're not Chelsea youth. And this is like, is this this is recorded on video? No, this is not like some out yeah. of context clip. No, no, no. This is recorded on video. That speaks volumes, man. Either you know such bare bones, minimum surface level stuff that oh they played here in two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, which means they would have been this and these many years old. Therefore, they're young. Therefore, they're youth players. Or to just be like ah oh, yeah, I know they want youth players, but fuck it, I'm gonna say they're youth players anyway. Like both is like I don't know, man. I just think he bought the club because he wanted some diverse uh, sporting. Investment, and I don't think he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Well, let's hope he uh, gets a proper sporting director. And first of all, he's got a great manager. Um, are you guys excited about Graham Potter? No, not at Chelsea. What? Oh yeah, like yeah, I don't I want guess. a person that I respect to be associated to an entity that I hate. So <laughs> no, not not looking forward to it. Uh, if you guys saw the Champions League game, I think they played Ajax, right? They won two one. Oh, no, that was Liverpool. Um, who did they just play? Oh, they played Salzburg. Uh, one all draw. But in that game, uh, he started Raheem Sterling. I think uh, Raheem Sterling played uh, right wing back for a majority yeah. of that game, which was fucking strange to watch. But is it though? He does the same thing with Trossard at Brighton. Yeah, but then you have. It's Raheem Sterling, bro. Like he's your marquee signing of the season. Yeah, Play but him up top. you just signed a coach. If you want, <laughs> if you want Sterling to play up top, then make Sterling the coach. Like if the, if, if the coach is Sterling, something I feel like he's telling for the reason. Like, I don't get how managers are hopeful. It's like you know what this seems like. It, it, no, no, no. Let me complete. This seems like. This this seems like girls trying to go out with toxic boys and thinking I'm gonna change this dude. I want to be like I'm gonna be the one that makes him proper and straight. Like this feels like that. Like every manager, I don't know how they're excited and please want please to. explain how. In fact, because I, I don't see it. <laughs> in fact, I think I I think it's the other way. Okay, I think it's a guy or a girl that's with this crazy person, but the sex is great. Okay, they know it's the shit relationship, <laughs> but it's so good in bed that they're like, man, fuck it, I'm just gonna take it, dip it, and leave. And like, <laughs> that's the same thing with Potter, right? Because he's gonna be there for a bit, and he's going to either play well or play badly. Eventually, even if he wins it all, he is going to get sacked. Like. He's not going to leave Chelsea. I think. Yeah. I think he's going to get sacked, and when he does, nobody he's leaves to... Chelsea, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when he does, he's going to get a fifth. Yeah, out the door. Correct. So, but when he does, he's going to get that fifteen million payout, and he's going to be like, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> and he's going to leave. So, like, it's not the worst deal if you think about it. You get the exposure. You tarnish your name, like you have that one black dot against your name, and there are. So many clubs out there looking for long-term projects who fit Potter's philosophy, and yeah, and true. instead he'll go. T- Imagine if he stayed and Pep left and he went to City, bro. It's done. It's done. I think he 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 would be looking. He would be looking at that ten fifteen million payout, bro. That that check. Because why not? Like you're in the limelight for sure for one year. Whatever yeah. happens, good bad, you're there. You're exposed. You get a, de- a a very decent transfer budget to try and implement this your style of play with your kind of players, and if all of that doesn't work out and you get fired, you get fifteen million and you get fired from Chelsea, which is not that big of a deal. You know? Exactly, <laughs> everyone get fired from Chelsea, so it's fine. Yeah, it's not a black dot against your name. It's just like a green tick mark. Like okay, he is done too. Next, you know that yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah, that's what. Oh, he's also been at Chelsea. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it'll be interesting to see because Boeli came out. Uh, he sat Tuchel saying that they don't agree on the long term vision and on the project, and they are on different pages. He also said that nobody is right and nobody is wrong in this case. It's just that they didn't agree with each other, which shows signs that he wants to be um, that he's thinking long term and he's thinking for a long term project. And for me, the the only thing I'm excited to see over here uh, for Graham Potter at Chelsea is how long he's going to stay. Does he get those two three years, or uh, where he can actually implement a system where he can get the right players in for himself, or is it going to be like the Chelsea roulette where you know you have sacked every eight between eight months to sixteen months somewhere in that time? I think it's going to be the second option. That's th- that's one thing too because as Akshat said earlier in the podcast that he hasn't finished above fifteenth. He hasn't. Mm. It's not that he hasn't won anything. He's not even. Played at that sort of level yet to compete against the big boys. Bro, but so, like, like I mean, that's true. But Brighton have played not just United, but many teams better than them off the pitch. Yeah, like, yeah, they've been the boogie team for everyone, bro. Basically, like, oof, that cup of things. coffee looks great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can feel the warmth and love in that cup of coffee. Filter coffee. <laughs> Yeah, man, I can see the color. The color is absolute perfection, bro. Yeah, yeah. God damn, I can taste it from the color. <laughs> Fuck. I think Vaishnav has gotten a little bit distracted in this episode. No, it's. Oh, uh, but <laughs> just before, um, just before we end, did any closing remarks, guys? Does this feel bad for Tukul? Nah, he did. He knew what he got into, man. He deserved better. He knew who he got into bed with, so screw him. <laughs> oh, let's end with predictions. Where do you think Tuchel will go next? Oh fuck! I think he'll take like a year off. I don't think he'll manage soon. Two back-to-back mm. toxic jobs, bro. Like he's made decent money also. He can take a break. Mm. Maybe Nagelsmann goes out of Bayern and Tuchel gets the Bayern job. I don't think they'll sack Nagelsmann though. Even though it started weirdly, I feel like Bayern are more of a project club that will give you that time. Although they probably aren't. I mean, a manager won a treble and got sacked the next yeah, season. So that's true. But that also Guardiola. When was the last time? Yeah. A manager left Chelsea amicably, bro. Never. The only one I remember is Gus Hiddink. Like, because he came in as interim. That was an interim. Yeah, yeah. That's the only yeah. reason, but like he was technically still a manager, but. Uh, then even I'll go and be manager. Jose Mourinho first run, I think. First in. No, no first no, no, in no, no. ended so badly, yeah. bro. Him and Roman. First in ended very badly. It's like uh, children of the playground. First in ended worse than the second sin. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First in ended pretty bad. First in only went to Inter, no, after that. Hmm. Or Real. Hmm. No, Inter. Inter first. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, I think that brings us to the close of the episode. Um, thank you, Vaishnav and Poe, for being till the end. Thank you, Akshat, for being there for 10 minutes. And thank you, listeners, for uh, <laughs> reaching to the end of this episode. This is episode number 70, and we will be back very soon for 71. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>